Inquirers, and welcome to the intersection of all things fringe that I call Inquiries of Our Reality. Today, I have an awesome guest and friend of the show digging into something that's near and dear to my heart, Native American lore. But before we get into that, if you guys don't mind taking an extra five seconds to leave a rating for the show on Spotify, I would definitely appreciate it. It's a good way to uh, get the show seen by more people. Or uh, if you guys are so kind as to take an extra 30 seconds to review the show on iTunes, then uh, I'll give you guys a shout out on the show and of course read it. Uh, as long as it's five stars, hopefully. Uh, don't spam me out with a bunch of one star reviews, hopefully. Uh, hopefully everybody's here because they enjoy the show and not because they want to troll the show. So I'm going to hope for the best and hope that you guys will le- hopefully leave me some awesome reviews that I can uh, read out on the show. And if you guys aren't already, you guys can always follow the show on social media to get updates on new episodes coming out, uh, anything new happening with the show. Uh, the one that I'm the most active on, of course, is Instagram. Uh, there is a Facebook set up, but uh, that pretty much just pushes off from the Instagram. So if you guys are trying to get a hold of me or you guys want to interact, uh, definitely do so through Instagram. You guys can also pop on to the uh, Telegram or the Discord. Uh, currently, we're working on building up the Discord. So anybody that wants to pop in there, uh, it's definitely appreciated. We're restructuring it a bit, uh, making it a little bit more interactive, a little bit easier for people to be able to navigate. Um, It's a process, uh, but the only way it's going to get better and it's going to become a solid, good community to be able to hang out on is with your guys' help. So anybody that wants to pop in there, I'd definitely love to uh, have a conversation with you. And speaking of conversations, if anybody's interested in being a guest on the show, whether you're a researcher, author, ufologist, uh, cryptozoologist, uh, paranormal investigator, uh, occultist... Uh, ancient historian of hidden history. I don't know any of that kind of stuff. I'd love to uh, sit down and have a conversation with you. If you're an open-minded individual that likes getting into uh, some fringe topics, uh, you guys can always email me at inquiries of our reality podcast at outlook.com. If you're interested in doing that, or you guys can of course hit me up on Instagram, like I'd previously mentioned, or you guys can go to the link tree and fill out the submission form. And that'll go directly to my email. Of course, uh, keep an eye on the spam or the junk folder because I do respond to every single thing, but it seems like a lot of my emails do get pushed that way. So And if you guys can't get enough of the content I put out, you guys can always check out Bizarre Encounters. Uh, That's the show that I do with my two awesome co-hosts, Orin and Jenny, where we do some deep dives into some interesting things. Uh, Assumably, why you're here is because you're into the open-minded fringe topics, but specifically, if you like the uh, topics talking about different types of creatures, different types of beings, then that's going to be the place for you. And I definitely recommend you guys go and check that out because we do do some interviews over there, of course, but we're kind of trying to steer it more towards just us kind of doing deep dives, having some bands 
bantering in between, uh, talking about our theories and different things that we possibly believe could be linked to different phenomenon. So it's a really interesting show. It's really fun to record at least. So uh, hopefully you guys enjoy it. And I definitely recommend you guys go and check that out. And uh, if you guys want to keep tabs on all the stuff that I do, uh, just like the uh, watermark or little jingle in the beginning of the show, uh, Open Minds Media. You guys can follow that on Instagram. And uh, that's kind of like my overall page where I post episodes for all the shows all in one place. So if you guys don't want to have to follow all the pages, at least follow Open Minds Media if you guys want to get updates on episodes and all that fun stuff. And uh, speaking of Open Minds Media, uh, the Patreon. It's uh, all set up, of course, under Open Minds Media, which means that you don't just get Increase of All Reality with it. You also get Bizarre Encounters and any other shows that I'll be doing in the future. Over there, you'll get uh, ad-free episodes. You'll get early access to episodes. You'll get live episodes. Uh, you'll get live replays of episodes, which is the video format if you aren't able to uh, make it to the live, of course. Um there's also going to be some exclusive giveaways in the future, and there's uh, some discount codes depending on which tier you are uh, for the merch store. So there's four tiers. Go and check them out. Figure out which one uh, suits you guys the best. Any support is always appreciated, of course. Uh, if you guys want to donate to the show, you guys can donate to the show directly through PayPal, Venmo, Cash App, or you guys can donate through the uh, RSS host, which is Red Circle. If you guys go down to the bottom of the show description, you'll see something along the lines of donate through Red Circle. Uh, just click that. And if you guys donate, of course, uh, if it doesn't give you an option to leave a name or some kind of personalized message, uh, shoot me a message and let me know that you guys donated because I definitely love to uh, give you a shout out on the show for any support that you guys do. And uh, as far as like the donations and stuff goes, for this year, it's going to be going towards being able to get out and be able to go to conventions, be able to meet you guys. So uh, it's not just beneficial on my aspect, but also beneficial on your guys' aspect. If you guys are interested in actually meeting me in person and uh, sitting down and having a one-on-one conversation, of course, because uh, I want to be able to meet all you guys and be able to put a face to uh, all the listeners out there because I know a handful of you guys, of course, but I'd like to be able to know as many of your guys' faces as possible and actually know you guys by name because uh, you guys are the best and you guys are the only reason that I'm still doing this is because you guys are listening and you guys enjoy the show, of course. And uh, the third way that you guys can support the show is through the Open Minds Media merch store, where just like the Patreon, it isn't just Increase of All Reality, but it's also Bizarre Encounters, Bite Size Bizarreties. Uh, you can also find the Open Minds Media logo on there if you guys are interested. And uh, anybody that gets merch off there, it'd be really cool if you guys don't mind sending me a picture of you wearing it, because I would definitely love to uh, repost it on the page and give you guys a shout out and show that there's love and support out there and people are uh, wearing the logos out and about. And while you guys are supporting creators, I definitely recommend you guys go and check out Crypto Theology. Joe, as I I say almost on every single show is fucking killing it over there. He's been dropping some new awesome designs. He uh, dropped two more different designs in his uh, cryptid serial collection. Uh, he recently dropped a Mothman crow reference that I'm rather fond of. So uh, if you guys haven't seen it already, at least follow him on Instagram. Check out his designs. See what he's got available. Um, puts a lot of time and effort into his designs, and uh, it definitely shows. So everything that I mentioned, all available under the link tree, which is available down in the show description. And with that, let's get into the show. Please welcome to the show for the second time, Researcher Thrash. How's it going today, man? It's going, Shane. How are you? Absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Always kind of weird starting off this beginning, especially uh, you know when you've been talking to somebody for the past two hours because it's like you come into the conversation, you're trying to make it sound like it's like a new start to a conversation. But realistically, we've already been talking for about three hours or now. So, but <laughs> I have hard time not laughing. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I guess today um, a little bit different than last time because, of course, 
the first time everybody comes on the show, we kind of do this whole like well-rounded view about like who you are, what you do, what you're into. But uh, the first time that I had found you, uh, it was on New York Patriot show and you were talking about some Native American lore. And that's honestly what sparked my interest in, you know, making contact with you. And weirdly enough, we ended up becoming friends out of it. And uh, it took to the second show, of course, for us to really dive into that. So I'm really looking forward to uh, diving into some Native American lore with you today, man. Oh yeah, no problem. My pleasure. Yeah. Uh, is there a favorite thing that I talked about? I think it was. Do you uh, remember a favorite part? Specifically, the Pueblo clowns was what caught my interest. Oh, it was the clowns. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we're talking about the clown chain. So. <laughs> <laughs> kind of uh, awesome how that works out. Because we tried to record this show, actually, uh, a couple weeks ago, and due to some technical issues, unfortunately, we weren't able to record it, but I'm a firm believer that everything happens for a reason, so hopefully it happened for a reason, and both of us were able to organize our thoughts a little bit better, and uh, hopefully this will be a great show on Pueblo Clowns and spark the interest of people who aren't familiar with what these things are. Yeah, I think they'll like it. I'm going to get into all clowns for a little bit, and then different types of clowns involved in all kinds of different native cultures and then possibly other cultures have a relation to that as well. So, well, I guess without further to do, man, the floor is all yours to take it away and uh, start wherever you'd like. And then we can dive into this fascinating concept. All right. Well, uh, I'm just going to start giving you guys a little history on clowns a little bit and, kind of the significance of them. Um, We'll mainly probably talk about the Pueblo clowns or the Hopi clowns. Um, But other cultures have them like the Lakota have a clown. Almost every native tribe has a version of a clown. And I mean, I've even been finding clown references in all kinds of other cultures. So there's something to that. And, uh, We'll, we'll talk. Okay. So the significance of clowns to the cultures, they basically, they have uh, in the Hopi and uh, Pueblo culture, they have a, a, a thing called the Kachina and the Kachinas are basically different spirits that they vary from animals and people or even like fire or different kind of forces. Um, and a Pueblo clown or Kashari uh, is your most most popular one. They're part of the Kachina. So they are a spirit. Um, and they, the Pueblo people, they believe that these creatures, not creatures, spirits used to come down physically and it, typically on like uh, solstice, solstices and, um, and other events, uh, typically like fertility times and stuff like that. Spring is actually their uh new year these clowns they um the hope the hopi they said they they used to come down and then at some point they stopped coming uh they did not physically come anymore they were physically coming here and then at some point they started coming in spirit but then they would use the bodies of uh the tribe certain people of the tribe and then they would basically use that person's body as a conduit to communicate. 
So what uh what exactly was supposed to be like the significance to them? Like what what role did the the, the clowns play in their culture as far as like your research goes? Oh, it the main thing is basically to you know show why rules are important, what rules are important because the clowns they they don't follow the rules. They're, they, they don't do the rules. Everything they do is opposite. Um, it, 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 that's, it's just one of the most important things because they can, they, they teach everything, every possible thing and why these, um, laws or rules are in place. So when it comes to, uh, to the clowns, um, did, was, did you end up finding any other like research as far as like uh, like where they may have like came from? Like if they came from the sky specifically, uh, was there anything that you da- dug into where they may have made some kind of reference to some type of like vehicle that they came on or did they just kind of like appear or like how exactly did they get here? They it's I, it said they came from the sky and stuff, but it doesn't really specify from where, from what I remember, it could be um, the Pleiades star system is actually pretty significant to the uh, the Hopi and the Navajo. Um, one of their gods, it's actually uh, always portrayed on his face. I have a picture of it. I can show you here in a bit. But they basically just came from the sky and, and, and then they would participate in the ceremonies with the tribe. I mean, just off of at least the the basic information that I have on it so far, um, I either get kind of like two possible impressions because when it comes to a lot of this folklore stuff, um, I try to look at it from like a from like not just one specific lens, but kind of like an outer lens on everything. And at least from the basics that I have so far, it seems like there's a possibility that one they could be something that's extraterrestrial comes from the sky with that whole kind of concept, or two. Um, it almost kind of has the feel of like a trickster being, I mean, just off of like the concept of being a clown in general. And you're talking about how they just were like the opposite of like what everything should be. Um, it almost seems like that seems very familiar of like what a trickster being would do that, you know, just out of, just for their amusement, honestly, that they would come and just kind of just try to make a tribe act as crazy as possible, just so that they can sit off in the woods and kind of giggle about it, you know? A hundred percent. Um, the tribe might not necessarily be doing anything, but they're definitely going to be doing something. They're going to be pulling pranks on people and all, all kinds of stuff. They'll grab kids and throw them in the water and all kinds of stuff during the ceremony. So they're definitely a trickster spirit or being, um, when you do research into clowns and Pueblo clowns, trickster comes up time and time again. Yeah. It, it, of course, yeah, they, they, yeah, they're the embodiment of a trickster for sure. And then, as far as like their depiction goes, for anybody that's not familiar or, um, you know, doesn't have a video format of this episode, of course, um, like, like what, what, what's like their basic appearance? And also, like their basic appearance, you've mentioned that they are seen across multiple cultures. Um, does any part of their appearance seem to stay the same through these different cultures? Um, uh, so there's many different cultures where it's similar or things that you might, you might consider associated. Um, 
but yeah, it's it, it, so what they look like. They have like the Kashari clown, for instance. They have like a, a like a black and white striping all up and down them, and then they wear like a loincloth with a like a black black cloth, and then they uh, typically had their hair uh, straight up with corn stalks holding their hair straight up, kind of like horns. And then, and then they have like blackened eyes and then a, normally a blackened mouth as well. And then as far as like the name goes, at least from like your research, is there like a name that dates farther back than like Pueblo clowns? Because assumably like the word clown probably comes from like a European idea of like what this was. And it was probably like Europeans that kind of put their name on it. But uh, assumably there's 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 probably like a root name for them. Like you mentioned that they were um, like a spiritual being um, that was kind of like taking over in this area. So like, w- was there like a specific name for like for them um, before Pueblo clowns? Yeah, you know, I I haven't really found anything on what they might have been called before that. Um, what's interesting is. Um, yeah, the name clown, I believe, it originated from the 1500s. And I think it comes from Scandinavia, like Sweden and all those areas up there. And, um, you know, I, that's about the same time that these tribes would be doing these ceremonies and possibly these beings are coming down and, uh, and talking with them. You know, uh, they're almost both. I don't know. It's almost like there's like a like a spiritual thing that's like causing these two separate cultures at the same time to be uh, into the same similar concept. That's what I'm trying to get at. That almost makes you wonder if like the inspiration of like the first European clown may have been something that they saw or if it's one of those things that it's almost like a like a mass concept idea that you know the europeans were doing it more as like a fun like entertaining thing where you know there was some type of like need or like niche in it through society that there needed to be some type of like comical value and you know of course like i said the europeans are doing it for like entertainment where like the native americans um kind of took like a more spiritual course to it where you know they Assumably, just because of like how how they were living life, of course, um, it was a lot more like day by day, um, you know, trying to live off the land, things like that. So they, I feel, took life a little bit more seriously. So it seems like they, rather than turning into an entertainment thing, they kind of built this like spiritual basis around it, where they'd entertain it for like a day or so, um, to in order to like again, just have like almost like a day to like break away from like what their normal standards of society is. Yeah. Uh, when, when they, um, yeah, when these, these people are, are clowns during the ceremonies, they literally say that it's not them, that the spirit has literally took over their body <clears throat> and everything they do is actually the spirit. Do you know if um, any of these ceremonies are still something that's uh, that's done today? And if they are done today, um, have you dug into any reference on if they're doing it more so as like a entertaining old um, traditions, or if they still feel that they get possessed by the pueblo clowns while they're doing this ceremony? Oh, uh, 
yeah, it's a hundred percent. They, they still, they still spiritually believe in this. I mean, these are very important ceremonies to them. I mean, to be a clown, you are in a secret society itself. You cannot just become a clown. You literally have to go through whatever procedures there are. I've heard a few different ones. Now, one of them would be um, you had like some sort of stomach ailment or stomach problem, and then you are healed. You would then be become a clown. Or there's another thing where you're just supposed to eat feces and some other gross stuff. Um, and that's basically initiates you into this society. But you, you, I can't, I'm, I'm not quite sure what qualifies you for the Hopi to become a clown other than that. But there's got to be something like some sort of dream or something kind of like the Lakota you have to have a dream of a thunder being to even become a clown. It almost makes you kind of wonder too, if it falls into the same philosophy as like what like a medicine man would be where, you know, either one, like you were saying, you either seem to have like been somebody that had an ulcer or you're a fear factor contestant or <laughs> the other option is that, um, you know, like, like I said, for like the medicine men and stuff, they would take the people that are kind of like the abstract, like fringe of society, you know, kind of like, I don't want to say like what like a conspiracy theorist would be now, but just like the people that think abstract or think different. And they would take that and, you know, they would push them down this like spiritual path in order to become like a medicine man. Um, assumably because this seems like it's a very spiritual being almost, I don't want to say comparable to like a medicine man. Cause it's like a totally different concept, but still kind of in that same realm. Um, I kind of wonder if they kind of do the same thing where if there's somebody that's kind of fringe or kind of different in society, if they kind of push them down that spiritual path. And one of the other options that they can kind of become is like a Pueblo clown or some form of like a clown, well, depending on, you know, of course what different tribes call it. Cause not all tribes are calling it a Pueblo clown, of course. Oh well, some some cultures, the clowns are medicine men. They are types of medicine men. Uh, certain ones heal all kinds of stuff, such as um, the Lakota. They uh, like Black Elk. He was a clown, and he was also a medicine man. He was a, a Hayoka, which is the Lak Lakota term for a clown. So um, just from your research, when you started digging into the other tribes that have traditions as far as like clown goes, um, like how do, how do they vary or different from like the Pueblo clowns? Do they have like different ceremonies, uh, different visuals to things, different methods of doing things? Like what's kind of like the other natives version of these clowns? Uh, well, the main the main other one would be a Hayoka, which is from the Lakota. Um, and there's actually some interesting little... Um, similarities with them in the Pueblo is uh, uh, a lot of the times uh, the, the Hayoka is depicted with uh, black and white stripes as well. And also their hair up in like horns or at least up um, the Hayoka though, they uh, it, it's, it's like the same thing. It's like they do the opposite. They, they ride their horse backwards. They, uh, they, they do, they break the rules. They, they, so it's still a very similar concept. And, and they, I mean, that's, 
thousand, fifteen hundred miles away, two two completely different areas. I mean, you would have to cross the Rocky Mountains and everything for them to have came in contact. I'm sure they did, but say so what if uh, all these traditions and beliefs? Um, I mean, if you're looking at it from the aspect of this actually being some type of being or something different or something that's like unknown. Um, almost makes you kind of wonder if they come in and they just kind of party almost and then leave makes you wonder if it's uh almost like a, I don't want to say like spring break, but like a specific time that something comes from somewhere else, be it from another planet, another reality, um, another dimension, whatever you want to call it. And they pretty much just come here to have fun. And as humans, of course, we always have to have some type of like spiritual meaning to anything. And especially if you see some type of creature, like they have to be here for a reason. You can't ever just look at it for the simple reason of maybe there's a being that's coming just for the sake of having fun in another reality. Cause a lot of the time, like at least how I view things, I almost feel like you have to look at it sometimes from like a human lens and perspective of if you had the option to go to other realities and there's different groups of people that kind of would, you know, we're doing festivals, doing like different types of parties and stuff. Um, kind of makes you wonder if like, why, why wouldn't, if we would go into another reality in order to like party with the beings, like why wouldn't something else do the same thing? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, a lot of people, they say that these, like, would be, like, the term Anunnaki or something. Like, they they literally, they come here and visit with people from time to time. And, it, it, I mean, and there's probably certain ones, because, like, with the, the Hopi, the Kachinas, there's all kinds of Kachinas. Clowns are just, just a small a small part of them, you know, so these these... Yeah, the, the, there's all kinds of other kachinas and stuff, and the yeah the so there's all kinds of different s- spirits or whatever these things are. I mean, they could be some sort of extraterrestrial or a combination of the two or or something. I mean, as far as like your views go, and of course. Um, you know, opinions can change frequently. Everybody's opinions are different and you may have more information and of course change your opinion. But uh, at least from like the research that you've done, um, like what's your kind of like best guess or understanding on like what these things could be, like where they're coming from, like what significance they have, like, like why are they here? Like what, what, what do you think? Uh, I personally think the, they came here. They're who taught it. Uh, I, I, there's some sort of higher being or something. I, I think they came here and taught us certain things. I think they taught us um, the like certain ceremonies and uh, how to grow crops and how, how to uh, animal husbandry, how to train animals and uh, uh, all this stuff. I, 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 and I think there's evidence of it all over the world, the same things over and over showing. It seems like one of those things that if you talk to somebody who is uh, more more from like a biblical standpoint or view, um, like they might almost get confused for like the the Nephilim or like the fallen angels or something. Like they were the ones that came down and started teaching people how to do certain things that they weren't supposed to. And then one day they just kind of like vanished. And I mean, I don't know if there's like reference 
dating back with these things because I don't know exactly like when the key point of like when these things exactly started was, but uh, I wonder if they might theoretically date back to like biblical floods and stuff. But I mean, of course, it's really hard to really tell with a lot of like Native American folklore because it's oral tradition for so long. And even now, I mean, it's hard to dig stuff up because even though we're in 2023 and everything's technologically advanced, a lot of the really, really good Native stories are all still like word of mouth and really held to the tribe specifically. And they don't really get pushed out of the tribes unless they, you know, have like a reason, I guess, to really push them out. But for the most part, like they still keep a lot of their oral traditions to themselves, unfortunately. Yeah. They, they're very, yeah, they're very well kept with their stuff. They, you know, if you're not a part of the tribe, basically you're not, you're, they're not going to show you. I mean, they might show you little things here and there, but they're not going to show you the ceremony. They're not going to show you how to perform it or any of that, because that's how a lot of their traditions got destroyed because it was all considered witchcraft or evil or something like that. And that's farthest from the truth. Uh, another thing um, I think it kind of ties into like kind of Graham Hancock's work a little bit. Um, like for instance, there's like the handbags that are depicted all over. They're depicted in Mesoamerica on Quetzalcoatl. They're depicted in the Sumerian and Gobekli Tepe. Uh, they have, uh, the handbags and these handbags are found all over the world. Well, the Ute creation story, it, it, it's literally, uh, it uses a bag. So the, 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 I'll, I'll say the story real quick, um, a short condensed version. Basically, their creator, he opened up a hole in the sky, and he had a, a bag, and he had sticks, all kinds of different sticks in this bag. And basically, he was um, basically growing the sticks, and... Uh, he, uh, I might be butchering this a little bit, but he, he sets down the bag at one point. Well, Coyote, the trickster spirit, the opposite of this, actually grabs the bag and wants to know what's in it. And he actually spills the sticks out, except for one, the one group of sticks. So there's all the different sticks representing all the different ethnicities around the world. They had the Asian, the white, the black, all of it. It, which also represents a medicine wheel. Um, but the, so in the bag, there was one, one group of sticks left. So uh, when uh, the creator came back, he picked up the bag and notice where did all the sticks go? And there was only one group left. And uh, so these other sticks w went across the world or whatever. And he put the last group of sticks on the mountains, the Rocky Mountains, because this is the Ute people, and he, it, they say that this is they're his people. So he he put them there. It's just it's interesting that there, a bag is mentioned again. Like I mean, there's something with this bag, and these bags are representing them bringing stuff and knowledge and different things like that. It almost makes you wonder if it's symbolic of something. Or if it's extremely literal, like, because it, it's seen across everything. And again, like, how far does the symbolism go as far as that, where maybe it's not symbolism, but more so, again, that these people are actually seeing these beings and they all had these bags that 
assumably had some type of purpose as far as like creation goes. Um, because I mean, pretty much any picture you see that has a depiction of the Anunnaki, it always has the bags, but weirdly enough, you don't really see anything ever depicting like even just a slight little hankering of what could potentially be inside the bags. Like the closest you get is like word of mouth stories. And a lot of the word of mouth stories is more so like relating it to something that the people that are telling the story are familiar with versus like if they drew it, you know, they may be drawing something that they're semi familiar with, but looking at it from a different lens years and years later, um, I feel like it would give us a different perspective on it because we're not viewing it or seeing it the same way, but all the oral stuff, like it's kind of hard to deter exactly from like what their words were because we weren't visually seeing like what they were intending to try to describe, you know? It will pe- I would say people would typically say, oh, it's just mythology. It's just made up creatures and made up things with all these, with the Greeks, the Romans, the Sumerians, the Pueblo, all, all it's just made up stuff. I, I really think there's something to it. I think there, there were, I, I really think something had contacted all these different people and had taught them different things. And they taught them similar things like that. It kind of explains the pyramids all over. Why wouldn't you teach them how to build like that, a wider base? And then you regra- gradually go up. It's more stable. Like, yeah, there's, there's something behind these things because again you find all these similarities you'll find thunder being involved in a lot of these things or uh, there's always the same associations just different names i mean when you're saying sticks too i was almost wondering if i mean it'd it'd be a hard thing to like visually see but if they're saying sticks i almost wonder if it could have been in like some form of like dna inside of like a vial or some kind of like container that it wasn't actually a stick but more so like just like a long cylinder item that contains something. Um, Because assumably it has to be something with DNA because it has something to do with creation. When it comes to specifically like the Anunnaki and stuff, you hear a lot of the uh, like origin stories about them potentially like creating humans. And then again, it goes back into this like part of their perspective of you're looking at stuff through one specific lens that, you know, if you really break it down and view everything, you could see that like the Anunnaki and like angels and fall, I mean, there's, there's a lot of similarities between all of them, and it's all just different people's perspectives of the same things going on. It's more animistic, more so than uh, like, an, like, like more of the animals and stuff around you are associated more so than um, like some sort of spiritual beings coming from above or whatever. Yeah, everything's kind of like related to nature as far as like Native American stuff goes. Like even telling this, the, the stories, um, you know, they're, they're, like I said, they could be relating like a cylinder to like a stick or something. But then if you were like talking about like Egyptian folklore, for example, they could be saying that um, they're more shaped by, they could say like they have like a bag full of like obelisks or something. Yeah, that could be something like that. I, I like the de- the idea of like little DNA things or something like. Uh, assuming- or maybe the concept of a golem or something. Yeah, I mean, but instead of like clay, but sticks or something. I don't know. Yeah, some type of like g- genetic material, and I mean, certainly kind of related back to some 
pop culture because it seems like a lot of stuff weirdly enough is kind of hidden in pop culture at least concept wise um you go into like alien for example and they have like the engineers and they have this like cube thing that basically can like start life on like a planet so that concept of imagine like whatever's inside of that bag is almost being like seeds of dna and the bag they could potentially go to like different planets, different places and pretty much like sprinkle the ingredients along the landscape. And in turn, it ends up creating life across this landscape where again, you're looking at different perspectives of like what's inside the bag, but what's inside the bag could potentially be something that kind of gets DNA to spark up a role or really start to like create something. Cause I mean, going off of that, it may not be DNA like specifically, but it could be something that activates DNA, you know? So potentially like any place that they drop this, any different planet, they drop this, it could totally create a different form of life based off of like what materials and components well, are available on that planet or on that land. Well, well, you know what, look, we're supposedly made of what 80% water or whatever. And this planet is mainly water. I mean, what if water is the ingredient? I mean, yeah, we that's need it. If it's a seed, kind of like how I was mentioning, assumably you need to water your seeds. So, I mean, that could potentially be one of the key notes here is that these things could potentially go to planets and find anything that has some form of, um, not even necessarily, I guess, like H2O specifically, but some type of like a liquid that provides some type of like nutrients for the, the seeds as we're going to call them. And in turn is able to spark life off of that. Like maybe there's some main components that are needed on a planet. Like it needs to be like, terraformed, you know, before you can like produce life on it. But once that, that plant has been terraformed and is ready for life, then essentially you come here and start dropping stuff down. Like an alien, they're calling them the engineers because it's like they engineered the concept for the planet, but you start breaking this down with the bags and you can almost call them like the farmers. If you're kind of entertaining that idea or concept that again, Mm -hmm. the lens, the plow, like everything's, everything's ready. The lands is ready. And once the land's ready, you come through and you drop all the seeds into the land and in turn, come back and then life starts. Yeah, it's definitely an interesting thought. That could also potentially be why they never necessarily returned. Um, could be because they moved on to the next place that they were creating. And maybe there's these like beings that pretty much go around the universe and essentially are like the, the sparks and creators of life. And they're only there to kind of like hold your hand to get you rolling. And then essentially they kind of like stand back after that and kind of just let the, things exist as they're going to exist. And if they are potentially some type of like extraterrestrial interdimensional thing, there's always the component of course of like possible tele telekinetic powers or um, even just if there's something that's able to like transverse like different dimensions, um, it still kind of brings in the whole factor of possible possession where these things could have not been coming to this place physically, but they still could have been coming to this place spiritually or two, there was the ancient tradition of just these things existing in the first place. So when the they stopped coming and they started leaving, um, maybe people... Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then... 
place a $5 wager on any sport, you'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Or almost like pushing back into that subconscious state where they were just kind of like acting primitively. And in turn, that kind of like filled that void of, you know, them being there. It's almost like that concept of like, you know, a parent leaves and somebody still needs to be able to fill that void with something. If you have these beings that are coming to you and they're giving you information, it's almost like being abandoned by like a parent where you're still going to need some type of like placebo in order to still feel like they're around, you know? Oh, yeah. You know what I thought of? The concept of cargo cold, you know? Uh, I feel like it leads more credence to these something came down here or something appeared to these people. Because if you look into the cargo cults and uh, what I think it was world war two, there's like all those Pacific islands and people had never seen a plane or anything. And then after the, the war, when they left, they started building models of planes and everything. And they considered them gods you know, so I, I something came down here. They looked like, like, let's say the clowns. So they were striped with black and white and stuff like that. And bam. I mean, uh, now they leave. They're not coming here anymore. Now, now we have to represent what we've seen. We have to, uh, we have to continue the traditions on how they were seen. And how they taught us these stuff. Like, yeah, it's just. Was there any other, like, uh, factors as far as, like, their appearance goes, other than, like, the uh, the black and white that could have potentially been something that's not a typical feature of humans? Um, not necessarily, but, like, you know, since they're clowns, you know, a lot of the public clowns, they might have, like, I mean, this is kind of uh, out there or whatever, but they uh, they might have a huge exaggerated exaggerated dick, and they'll walk around with a huge dick and prank people with a giant dick or talk or a giant vagina or whatever the hell. They'll yeah they yeah, uh, but but typically no they just, they're like more human like, but just the coloring different, and that's about it. At least for them. But now other kachinas could be completely different. Like you have ogre kachinas. And ogre kachinas, they almost look like dinosaurs and stuff. So it all depends on what spirit you're talking about. But the clowns are more human-like. So, um, of course, you brought up the idea of other kachinas. And I just find Native American folklore interesting as a, as a whole. So, um, not to deter necessarily away from the clowns, but uh, what are some other of some other really interesting uh, kachinas that you found in your research? Uh, there's yeah, like the ogres. There's um, 
depending on certain uh, offshoots of the tribe. Like you might have a certain tribe that's more on the river or near water. And then there's other tribes that don't, they're in the desert. There's not like a big river or anything where, so like the one tribe that's near the desert, no water, they're not going to have any, um, like fish kachinas or like a, a water kachina. Now, if they're on the river, there's like water kachinas or ones that represent fish. Um, so now we're kind of bouncing into another realm. It almost seems like kachinas could also be possibly like another variation of like an elemental spirit. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. And, and another interesting thing, it almost is, it almost t- it ties into the animistic thing. It, because there's a lot of there's there's a there's kachinas that basically represent all the different animals and all that. But I mean, even expanding past that, people don't really think about this concept very much. But like something that's elemental, assumably, is going to be some type of nature spirit. And in nature, you know, there's is still not just like as nature as we perceive it. Like it's natural in nature to feel like happiness. It's nature natural in happiness in nature to feel sad. So people don't take into consideration that another natural component of things could be essentially like emotions. So you bring in the factor of there being almost like a, like an elemental spirit for like having fun, you know, and that could essentially be like what these, these clowns are. Um, I mean, right now it's kind of weird. They seem like they could potentially fit into three categories. Now you got the mimic aspect and like the trickster aspect. Um, you have the possible, um, UFO aspect or interdimensional aspect, or even just another one I wanted to throw in there. Um, cause it kind of ties into the whole UFO concept is that it could be potentially be like time travelers from like different points in time. Um, and then you also now have the component of like the elemental spirit of it. And the only reason I'm making that connection, of course, is because of the other types of kachinas. But is I'm trying to think of other kachinas that may not be something that could link to nature. Because, again, I, I feel like emotions and being happy and doing things like that still link into nature because they're, they're still natural feelings. And other animals in nature feel happy. Um, other nature animals in nature feel um, regret and sadness. So... You know, assumably there would be some type of like natural elemental spirit for almost like emotions of the land too. Well, I you know it, it's all I kind of think maybe the the clowns could be like a concept of um, like like it's almost representing like some part of your consciousness or something. Like it's an elemental of like consciousness or something because it. it their role is so important, you know, for, for an example, a, a clown could be considered, uh, let's say people that didn't go get the vaccine or get the jab, whatever you want to call it. Uh, that would be a clown. That would be considered a clown. All of these people telling you to get it. Everybody wants you to get it. It's pushed everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. Well, you decide, no, I'm going to do the opposite. I don't need that. That That's a total representation of a clown, and that's exactly what they provided for the tribe. I mean, it's such an important role. I was going to say, kind of a weird thing to think about, but like the way society works now is this whole idea about pushing everybody into the same method of thinking, the same motivation, the same, the same push in, into doing everything. And um, 
when you incorporate something into that that pulls you away from like the normals of society, it almost seems like at a weird point, it's almost trying to break down the idea of everybody becoming like a collective like consciousness. So it almost in a way kind of helps the idea of there being like individuals and almost like promotes the idea of there being individuals. And I don't necessarily mean that in the way that we're like saying it now where everybody's like, I'm an individual when realistically they're kind of just hopping on the bandwagon of what society says it is like this thing purposely went against society into the fringe things where it almost seems like, you know, like the, the kind of relating it to like nowadays, like the clown would almost be like uh, the people that are talking about like fringe topics or going against um, like the, what society is doing like as a group. And maybe it's almost something needed where they, if they are some type of spiritual being or some type of extraterrestrial being, they're almost trying to tell us that like a herd mentality isn't good. Like it's good to think outside of the box because realistically that's like how you progress as a culture isn't by doing the same cultural norms, but trying things that are different. And again, just being able to not think as a hive mind almost, or just to think differently in general. Yeah, that, no, that's it. No, it's yeah, that's exactly it's, um, it's, it, it, it all that that all that stuff is all learned you learn from all that stuff when you try to hide stuff and keep stuff away and and it like censorship for instance let you say you can't you can't say this word you can't say these words uh this is banned um well i think they're trying to say is okay. Let, maybe these things should be allowed to be said. Maybe we we need to learn from these things. We need to learn from all these bad things. We can't just um, we can't just hide and be be scared. Like all you learn from all this, from everything you experience. Weirdly enough, too, it almost has kind of like a like a psychedelic entity feel to it in the aspect of it almost telling people to not take life so seriously. Um, because of course, like life at its root is about survival, but in the process of it, considering that we're like conscious beings, um, people forget to like have fun along the way, you know? So it almost seems like it's like a remembrance too of, again, just kind of like enjoying life and having fun along the way. Well, Shane, it ties into like more, maybe something, spiritual or like interdimensional or something like that because you hear it time and time again dmt trips you hear about uh the jesters the 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 elves and all this stuff like you've people have heard joe rogan's story where he the jesters are flipping him off and making fun of him it's it's literally the same concept of what a pueblo clown would be doing during the ceremonies See, that almost makes you wonder, too, if it's some type of being that's possibly from another dimension, if their perception changes depending on, again, like cultural backgrounds and views of people, like if they are potentially some type of like um, telepathic being or from another dimension, um, like we can't break down this concept just because we are a very physical reality, but that doesn't mean that other realities are as solid or as as constructed as ours, like assumably, you know, there could be things that are capable of completely changing their appearance. I mean, you look into like nature now 
And we already have things in our nature that are able to completely change their color. So you go up to another dimension and you could even be potentially dealing with beings that can completely change their form. Um, or again, it may be a thing where it's a matter of perspective where to different groups, these things look different because they may not have a physical form, but if they have some type of telepathic ability, they almost like take the form of whatever that group imagines them to look like because they're not trying to scare them. Um, and again, that even kind of goes into like the whole idea of like, like angels, for example, that the actual concept of like what a biblical angel would look like is something that's like unconceivable by people. So they have to have a form that's conceivable by people. And the same could be said for being such as this. Oh, you know, it, there, there's, there's something interesting with all you have. Okay. So in, okay. So the Pueblo clowns, they're black and white. And then you'll find, like, I, I have a picture I could probably pop up here in a bit. Beetlejuice, he's wearing black and white. And then the picture I got, there's thunder going on, lightning going on behind him. Well, guess what? The Hayoka in um, Lakota culture, you, the, 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 you become a clown from having a dream of a thunder being. Um, I have a picture of a Kabbalah priest. He's got black and white stripe. Um, I have a, uh, there's a video. I don't have that. Uh, there's a video of the, the Kenneth anger movie. I can't remember the name of it. Right. This thing. Second, um, the Jimmy page was going to do the soundtrack for, well, there's a scene in there. And the guy all of a sudden appears. He's got a mug with black and white stripe, the exact same way. His face is painted just like it. And then behind him, you have black and white checkerboard. Well, then your black and white checkerboard of Freemasonry. Um, there, there's just so many connections to just the black and white. I mean, connecting into the black and white, of course, I mean, it's a little bit different with the occult when it comes into like the checkerboard concept. But when you're just talking about black and white together, uh, usually they're intended to represent opposites, of course, because you have like the black, which would represent like the evil, the dark, the light, which should represent or the white, which would represent like the pure light and the good. So you have things like this that are almost like blending the lines of what the social norm would be. So just off of their colors of being striped with black and white, almost seems straight symbolic of the fact that they're trying to almost like blend the lines of good and bad or what people conceive as like good and evil. They're trying to blend the opposites together and represent the opposites of each other all at the same time. Kind of a weird thing to think about, but no, exactly. It's like, it's the same concept is we got to break these rules and show you what's bad to show you how to be a good person in this and stuff. It's, it's, uh, it's the opposite. It's the, exactly. Yeah. But I mean, evil, that's even symbolic on its own too, because of course they were trying to get everybody to like have a good time party, like whatever, but they may not have been the purpose to begin with. They may have been doing that thing where they just show how far you can go in order to show people like what not to do kind of a thing. Like, sometimes you just have to almost like show somebody how ridiculous something is in order for them to realize that, all right, maybe that's not a good idea to do that. Like again, with these things like 
eating eating feces, for example, or whipping their dicks around or doing whatever the fuck. Um, it's it's like again, you have to have somebody doing this fucked up shit in order for society to realize, like, okay, that's not right. Because nobody realized, you know, that it's not okay to yell bomb in public out loud until somebody went somewhere and yelled bomb in public out loud. Like you have to, you have to break the barrier in order for people to realize that something's not right to do. And of course, you know, maybe these things were actually trying to help society progress as a whole because they're trying to show what the complete opposite abstract of like a starting to civilize society was. So maybe the intention was that they knew that they weren't like, um, you know, there's, there's still, I don't want to say, I don't want to necessarily use the word primitive, um, because they were very, very intelligent tribes, but, um, like they were more, just starting to develop and really starting to be able to like kind of find, like figure out how society is intended to function. So you assumably need to have something that shows back to the primal craziness in order to kind of show how far they progress as a society and in turn almost help them progress more as a society to almost show them like how far they've came since the beginning of like what the natural like human instinct to act like is because assumably these things are acting purely off of instinct and of course the people that are possessed by them whether you believe that they're possessed or not they're essentially just letting themselves go like they don't i'm assuming that they don't know what they're going to do like when it comes to like again eating feces throwing stuff at the wall acting crazy they're not thinking about what they're doing they're just letting it happen to show like what the primal urges of humans could possibly be if you don't hold yourself in check or you know i also kind of thought of while you're saying that is um you know what if um okay so let's say the there was a creator spirit and let's say these these other things did come down and teach them how to do these things. Well, they would also give them rules and 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 all these different rules. Well, then these other spirits or whatever could then come in and do break all the rules and do all that to again show why these rules are in place. Uh, yeah, again, the same concept. Exactly. That that's honestly like as we're starting to break it down, we may not know exactly what these beings are, but um at least in my mind, it seems like the that assumably would be their purpose. That's that's where it seems like it fits in the best, especially considering that at some point they left, maybe they felt like they weren't needed anymore, um maybe because they were moving on to the next group of people, especially if there's something coming from the sky, maybe they're moving on to a different, like they're like, all right, these guys got it figured out. We think they'll be fine. They're going to keep progressing and we're going to go work on these other, this other group that needs us now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. We got these, we got them now. They're, they're good. Let's move on to the next one. Now, now they're showing the Egyptians how to build the pyramids and now its name is Osiris and all that. (laughs) <laughs> Man, I feel like a lot of people are going to hear this episode and they're going to start relating this stuff to the fallen angels. But that was not never necessarily the intention. But unfortunately, when it comes to a lot of like the biblical narrative and when it comes into a lot of like Native American folklore, um, a lot of it can be related to those concepts. It all come, it all depends on which lens you're coming at. And uh, that's why, at least on my show, I'm always preaching the aspect of, you know, not entertaining something from one lens because then you're kind of holding yourself into a box. But um Again, I, I just wanted to uh, make a point that I know that a lot of listeners are probably viewing it that way, but I think it's a little bit more than that um, because I think that these things were actually being more helpful than they were being like destructive. And I don't necessarily mean that in the way of like giving humans knowledge that they shouldn't have. 
Um, again, it seems like they were being ridiculous to the point of trying to show, again, push people towards like being a more like civilized group of people or society. They, uh, you know, they, I, I would say people are definitely going to have that, uh, that thought, oh, they're fallen angels. You know, I, I have grew up Christian and I still have some Christian stuff, you know, you know, but let's think in the Bible. And I have another thing to say after that, um, it, you know, in that one uh, passage in Genesis, it says we, they were, they were created in our image, you know, pluralized. So there we go. There's, there, there's a pluralization there, but, you know, I've been a lot more open about this kind of stuff. You know, I used, I probably used to would have thought, oh, they're just worshiping demons and they're just devil worshipers and stuff. I, I really don't think that's it. I, I, I truly believe it's, it's not evil. I mean, of course, there, there, there's probably evil stuff that can be done, but it, it that's not what. It's typically done. I mean, th these things are sacred and special, and they've been along for a long time. And and that these aren't just fallen angels, in my opinion. I, I I feel like that's wrong for these people to have been around for so long and and, and come up with their traditions, and then to just just call them evil. I no, I I don't believe it. Mm -mm. That's kind of, that's kind of where I'm at with it too. Is that like I said, I like to entertain things from multiple ends, and I'm not necessarily saying that you know the biblical perspective on it is wrong, but I'm not necessarily saying that it's right either. If that makes sense, um, I'm just kind of saying to kind of view it from a farther back perspective and realize that you know it can't just fit in that category. Like there, there's a lot more to it. But um, I mean, I mean Shane, I mean what. Well, you know, there's other spirits as well that's mentioned in the Bible. There's angels. There's all these things. They could very well be angels as well if you're in the believing in the Bible, not fallen angels. I mean, real angels coming down and helping the people in this stuff. Because, I mean, even going at it from that viewpoint, too, again, they were probably, okay, so you have these fallen angels that come down. And they're not just breeding with people, but they're breeding with animals and creating all of these you know, ungodly creatures for lack of better words. So a good way to, you know, not have people fall in that trend again, it could again be to show how ridiculous it is to act primal. And it could again, push them the opposite direction where they're not trying to, you know, have intercourse with everything that they come across because they see how ridiculous it is to see this thing with a big dick running around pretending like it's fucking everything. Like it almost seems like it almost could be like satire of what, the fallen angels were doing like they were trying to show like how ridiculous it was to almost like to tear the natives away from like the whole like fallen angels concept. And they did teach them not just like, you know, you typically hear the fallen angel stuff and they're talking about like weapon making and things like that. Like things that aren't necessarily like good for society. Like we view it now as like a needed necessity, but it was never necessarily good in the first place. Um, but then you break down these guys and they're showing them like, you know, farming methods, things like that, like things that are, are needed and there's not really a way around it as being like unneeded knowledge because again, people need food in order to exist. Like they were, they were teaching them knowledge, but they were teaching them like beneficial knowledge, not like 
as we would view it now because of the way the world is gone is like almost like a necessity, you know? 100%. So uh, pertaining to some of your other research, um, you mentioned before we started recording that uh, you also found some fascinating locations that are linked to some some Native American lore. Um, would you like to expand a little bit more on some of these locations? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's there's just a few I got that I can talk about right now, but there's all kinds that you could talk about. You could probably do episodes on certain locations. Um you know, there's a couple areas that are close to where the Pueblos and the Pueblo Indians would be. Um, would be Canyon del Muerto. Um, that's in uh, Navajo. I believe it's in Arizona. It could be New Mexico. I think Arizona. But um, it, it, it's a it's a very interesting spot. And you know, there's a guy that has a a U a YouTube channel that has some stories about the Canyon that are pretty interesting. Um, but what had happened at Canyon del Muerto, um, the Spanish had basically came into this Canyon. It's a Canyon. And at the end it has like cliffs and then they had like buildings and stuff up on the cliffs. Well, there was a, a whole group of, of natives with their families and babies and everything up there. And, uh, the Spanish decided to just shoot their balls from their, uh, their guns off the roof and then directly into the, onto the people killing everybody on up on the cliff. And they literally slaughtered women and children and all that basically for no reason. And, um, this location has, some pretty interesting paranormal stuff that goes on with it, such as like uh, the guy that has that YouTube channel. He's talked about like a skinwalker climbing up the cliff all the way up. And then it even followed him home and stuff like that. But for anybody that's you know, uh, curious who that person is, by the way, it's uh, coach 5515. If anybody want to look that up for themselves. Yeah. Coach 5515. Yeah. 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 Um, he, um, uh, yeah, he's, he's talking about the skinwalkers and stuff cl climbing up the rocks at this place. But it's interesting that you can, when something so tragic happens in an area, how, you know, it, it, it almost start causes a portal or something to happen where weird and uh, weird things will happen in those locations forever after that. I mean, I've talked about this a few times as far as like the paranormal stuff goes that it's like the concept of a residual haunting that something so traumatic happens in a specific location that it echoes through time or dimensions. Um, I don't know about this one in particular, if it's more so cases of people uh, almost seeing like replays of what happened or those beings of like what happened or if it's just weird phenomenon to begin with where maybe one, it was either a spot that there was high strangeness and that's why the natives were there in the first place is because I feel like they took advantage of a lot of these like spiritual locations on the land and tried to benefit from them um, or had like an understanding with it and was able to like make peace with whatever spiritual thing was happening there or two, like I said, it's the option that uh, something so bad happened there that, it's just a residual haunting and people are just seeing almost like remnants of what happened. And, you know, people may see like ghosts or natives and stuff like that, but they don't necessarily like interact with people. They almost just kind of seem like they're 
on a replay or like a path that has already happened. Exactly. Like exactly like a rigid residual haunting. Like I had mentioned. Well, oh, well that's that Canyon. They hear, they hear so that people will hear gunshots. They'll hear kids screaming and women crying and the opposite of that. Uh, it, yeah, I, it, 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 it's like that stone tape theory where like almost like the stuff got implanted into the, the rocks and stuff and the, the memory of this tragedy and all that ca- causes it to replay over and over and over. Say, so I also wonder too, if something so traumatic can happen that it almost thins the veil where it results in two ways. Either one, there's a residual haunting or it's the replay, or two, it creates like a tear where rather than having a residual haunting, um, the veil is thinner, so it makes the option for weirdness and high strangeness to happen in that area. Um, I mean, it could even be a combination of the two, of course, where um, there's a thinning of the veil because of a traumatic event, and so that traumatic event replays, and in turn, some other stuff kind of slides around the the thinning or the the crack or the fragmented parts of the veil that are sitting there also because of that. I, I would say that they're more than likely portals of some sort, just because uh, 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 there's so many depictions of portals and, you know, like swirl patterns and stuff can be associated with portals and stuff like that with native stuff. Um, it, you know, like Chaco Canyon is another location. You know, they, there's this, this butte high up. And there's actually uh, three rocks, big rocks that are lined up like a th- in three. And then behind that, there's a big swirl. And then it actually is it rep it. It's basically it tracks the sun phases and the moon phases. And it, it, it's it's sophisticated enough to where it, it, th- those three rocks somehow that shines a beam of light and it goes all the way out and all the way back in this beam of light throughout the year. And it, it tracks the sun and moon phases. But that spiral, I mean, could that represent there's a portal here, you know? I mean, even with like the, the sun and the moon showing at certain times, I almost wonder if that could almost be like a like a like a timekeeper so that they know when the portal does open because it seems like if you have there'd be a reason to have two of those types of things in the same location and if there are portals um i mean i feel like there's certain i mean there could be portals that are accessible all the time and then there could be other portals that are only accessible when certain things line up properly winter solstice or whatever And that's another kind of weird thing to think about, too, is that, you know, we could have it figured out on when this specific thing is going to say that this portal is going to open. But people don't take into consideration that as fucking hundreds of years have gone by, um, the way that things sit starts to change. So it's not going to line up exactly the same as it did a couple hundred years ago. So that key time on when that thing could potentially open um, could be totally different than what these um, structures, internal clocks are pretty much saying that they could theoretically open at. Well, it, what's interesting is Chaco Canyon and the people that created it, 
it's it's super unique. I I, I might be wrong, but it, it, they might be the only culture that knew how to represent the moon cycles and the sun cycles. Because not only does that spiral represent that, the whole complex represents it. Every kiva, every part of Chaco Canyon, it, it, it's based off the moon, the moon and the sun. And your moon cycles, I I can't remember how long a moon cycle is, but it's like, it's like 10, 15 years, I think. And to be able to create the spiral and all, all this stuff and to actually, it, it's, it's, this is being done over long periods of time. And in these kivas, you know, like you're saying, okay, let's say it's only during the winter solstice. Um, Okay, well then we're doing the ritual in this kiva right here, right right now, and that's only, or maybe this particular kiva is only supposed to be used on the tenth year when the moon cycle is just now restarting or whatever. So it seems like we're starting to open up another whole can of worms, and uh, with that, I know that both of us are kind of limited on time because it's starting to get pretty late. It's almost uh, two o'clock in the morning where we are right now. Um, so with that, I feel like we could almost, uh, kind of leave it for the possibility of there being a part two, uh, digging some more into these locations. Cause I feel like, like you said, there's a lot to them where we could definitely cover them almost individually as episodes. So, uh, I guess with that, um, is there any other references to any other locations that you'd like to make references to, uh, before we start closing out here to possibly kind of give people a, um, sneak peek you know, on uh, I, what's possibly to come. I, you know, I think we could do an episode on several locations and we'll just split it up, you know, like devil's tower, which is not the actual name of it. I feel bad. I can't remember it right this second, but we could get into that next time. Um, Chaco Canyon. We could get more detailed in that. I can actually get you some good numbers and on moon cycles and everything. Bighorn Medicine Wheel, credible place. It's in Wyoming, high up at but like eight, nine thousand feet. And even the natives say it was here before we were here. So that that could be a very interesting thing. And then uh, you know, I could probably read a whole excerpt of what happened at the Canyon del Muerto, stuff like that. And you know, I'll probably have a couple more locations I didn't mention. So uh, I guess we'll keep this one as a part one of part two. Um, so when we do go to the part two, I feel like a lot of the conversation will connect. So of course, um, I'll include the, the link to the show in the show description in the future episode. But uh, as for right now, I always like to leave on a high note, of course. So I always like to leave with words of wisdom. So if there's any words of wisdom that you could bestow on the listeners, what would it be? Uh, my, my wisdom I'd give is embrace your inner clown. You know, uh, actually, um, you know, challenge the status quo and think about about what the, the the rules might implement or whatever, and if they're right for you, and you know, just embrace your inner clown. You know, let's uh, let's let's keep getting all the the conspiracy information out of here and, uh, and let getting more people into it and everything else, stuff like that. Let's just. Um, 
just embrace your inner clown, I guess. And another aspect of that also, uh, don't take life so seriously, man. Sit back, have some fun, and that goes all the listeners out there. Embrace the clown in the aspect of enjoy the moments that you have each and every day. <laughs> you gotta laugh at stuff sometimes. Exactly. No matter how horrible it is. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes that's all you can do. <laughs> exactly. And uh, for anybody that's interested in some more of your research, um, anything that you may have upcoming in the future, um, I guess this is your chance to uh, give them all of your links and make reference to anything that you may have going on in the future. Uh, yes. Uh, so you can find me at Nar Mosh Thrash, all one word on Instagram. So that's G-N-A-R Mosh Thrash. The link will be down below. I'll give it to Shane. Um, but I'm starting a show called Thrash Talk. And um, if you follow me on Instagram, I'll, uh, um, you know, I'll be posting when my pages are made on there. And then uh, they will also have their own separate pages. And um, that's about it. <laughs> well, I appreciate you making the time to come on the show today. Um, next time, of course, we'll probably have to start a little bit earlier because you and I are two of those people that when you get us going pre-show, we'll sit here and talk for a couple hours. So always an, always a great a conversation with you, and I appreciate you making the time to come on tonight. Thank you, Shane. Uh, it's Yeah, I appreciate it. I, I, I love being on here and talking about all kinds of interesting concepts and all that with you. Thank you. If you guys enjoyed the show, don't forget to take an extra five seconds to leave a rating on Spotify. And uh, if you guys are so kind as to take an extra 30 seconds to leave a five-star review on iTunes, I'll definitely read it on the show and, of course, give you guys a shout-out. If anybody wants to get a hold of me for any reason whatsoever, there's three means of doing so. Number one is through Instagram, which is the social media that I'm the most active on. Uh, I guess there's actually a a fourth option because uh, you guys can also shoot me a message on Discord, which I'm trying to build up. So uh, any help over there, anybody popping in, uh, definitely appreciate it. And uh, you guys can also email me at inquiriesofallrealitypodcast at outlook.com or go to the link tree and fill out the submission form up at the top. That'll go directly to my email and I will respond back to you as soon as I get that email. But uh, keep your eyes in your spam or junk folder. Make sure nothing gets missed. Uh, Being that I am a podcast, I do send out a lot of links to a lot of people. So for whatever reason, email providers assume that I'm spam. So make sure nothing gets lost, of course, because I want to be able to talk to all you guys. Uh, Everything that I mentioned, all available under the link tree, which is L-A-N-K-T-R period E-E slash inquiries of our reality podcast. And with that, I hope you guys enjoyed the conversation and I'll catch you on the next one. Have a good night, everybody. Bye.